Just a quick word of warning. This podcast tells honest and raw stories from the Australian bushfires that may be triggering for some people. Please take care when listening to this podcast and stop if it makes you feel anxious or uncomfortable in any way. We recommend wearing headphones, especially if there are kids around. Catastrophic. Tales from the Aussie bushfires. My name is Sophie Masson. Um, I'm an author. I've had more than uh, 60 books published for children, young adults and adults. Um, I live um, near Armidale in northern New South Wales. Um, we live out of town on a six-acre block. Um, and we've lived here for 28 years. We've built our house here. The, the drought has been going on um, all of 2019, but it got particularly bad from kind of May onwards. Um, we had the last good rain um, in those 12 months was in March. And then, you know, we, we are on summer rainfall mainly. Um, and then sometimes you get rain in the winter, but you don't usually spring and autumn are reasonably dry. And that's the growing season, you know, the spring, obviously, and then the autumn, things calm down. But um, summer usually is very, um, very rainy. And last summer was not. And um, there were already fires starting in January 2019 um, around a place called Tinga, which is about 100 kilometres from us. But you could see the um, the helicopters going over all the time and with the buckets and so on. And it was the first time, I guess, that I really worried about bushfires. Um, and because before that, you know, we're in not in a not a big bushfire danger area. Um, it's not it never gets really very very hot, and um, you don't have those conditions like you get in the south and in Victoria, where you've got a big load of fuel because they have winter rainfall and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, a bit of a fool's paradise, you think, okay, things are just as normal, you know. Um, and then you start to realise that they're not normal and that um, the drought here, I mean, there's been drought before, but this has been the worst ever recorded um, in this area. And it came on really quickly. Um, that's the other thing. So it didn't build up over a long period. It built up quickly in jumps over one year. And, you know, it went from, I had pictures, November 2018 when my kids were here and it was green paddocks, you know, et cetera, green garden, blah, 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 to suddenly, you know, April and it's starting to look, oh, my God, you know, there's no grass and there's no thing, the dams are, are emptying and then it's just getting worse and worse. And, of course, we're out of town, so we rely on tank water and dams. And, of course, in town, in Armidale, they were suffering too um, because, of course, the the big drought was in all of New England it's been its worst drought ever recorded you know in since records began in the 1850s or something and um so you know the town started to they don't live they're still on level five although the dams are starting to rise now um, and everything looks so much more beautiful and it's just extraordinary but um so you know from January that January and then things calm down during the, the, the autumn and the winter. You don't have really the fire risk so much. But we started to notice that things were drying off and more and more. We start to realise that all these trees are um, starting to die. 
And, um, you know, so little by little you start to realise, oh, my God, you know, you lift, look up from your desk and it's starting to totally brown off and, and then trees start to die and shrubs start to die and you think, oh, my God, please rain, please rain, please rain, and it doesn't and it doesn't and it doesn't. And so from September onwards, because the conditions were so dry and so terrible, that's when all the fires started to take off. So they, they took off um, mainly in forested areas because, you know, as soon as you get a lightning strike or anything, you know, that can spark a fire. Sometimes it's accidental, whatever. But as because everything is so bone dry, it goes up like that, you know. And um, so there were fires to the north, to the south, to the east, uh, and to the west of us, you know, so you're just surrounded by these sort of little blue flames and then sometimes they'd go yellow, <laughs> they'd go red. And, you know, so so I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, and this, I've got to do, we've got to, we've got to be prepared. We can't, um, you know, and we know people who had to evacuate from various areas and, of course, there were those terrible fires near Gleniness where Waikalaba was wiped out pretty much. Um, and so they it got were progressively worse and worse because there was no rain coming and it was getting drier and drier and just everyone's on the alert. And so we that's when I went around and, and I packed a bag, well, with clothes and all the necessities, but then another bag with things that, you know, were things that I couldn't bear to lose. But I couldn't bear to lose nearly everything. And I was in tears going around the house thinking, Oh, my God, if all this goes, you know, that's it. I can't take everything. I can't. All these books, all this stuff, I can't take them. I can't take them. Oh, it was extreme, extreme anxiety and sometimes outright fear because, you know, when you'd see this thing popping up and a friend would say, oh, there's a fire 10 kilometres from you, you know. Anyway, so there was all that, you know, and thinking, have we got enough petrol in the car, you know, get to town, it's only 15 k's, but what happens? We've got two ways out of here and stuff like that. So you have to think about all that and you think, okay, and have we got enough? And that was the other problem with the drought. Water for firefighting, you know, the dams were empty. The dams were empty. Um, the tanks still had water in them. But, you know, you think just how much water do you need, you know, to fight a fire? And David was saying, oh, you know, you can go, you can leave straight away and I will stand. I mean, no, you know, I don't want you to burn either. <laughs> so it was very, 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 very stressful unbelievably stressful and you don't realize quite how oppressive it's been until it stops it's like having a terrible headache you know and then when you feel better you think oh I'm resurrected I feel so different you know and that's basically what it's been like um in the last few weeks like the last two or three weeks when things have turned around in the most astonishing fashion not only outside and everything but within us you know I guess and you so realise that you take these things for granted, don't you? And, you you know, even out here where we, we have to think about water, but, you know, I think New England, it rains. <laughs> it's great. No worries, you know. And that's what Armadale thought too, you know. I mean, water security. I mean, a lot of people were even moving to Armadale because of the dam is so huge and the water security, you know, was felt to be, but that's not the case anymore anyway. You know, you know, on a positive sense, you really feel how not only how dependent we are on these things, but also how incredibly beautiful and precious they are. 
You know, I mean, it's the first time that I've really experienced what drought feels like, what real bushfire threat feels like. What I'd like to see happen is several things. Um, Firstly, um, I think that we need to think very carefully about how we handle water. Um, I think it is incredibly important that we look at better ways of using it and conserving it. Um, There should be a lot more recycling of water, um, particularly, you know, for non-sort of drinking purposes and stuff. Um, there should be um, very care, but people should also consider how they use water uh, because water is not only, you know, precious in times of drought, but in times of bushfire, it's essential. Um, I think we need to think about, and these are, these are first of all, very practical things. Um, we need to think also about bushfire, how, how um, human settlement is, you know, whether how how we handle it. And for instance, one of the things I think would be great would be to have bushfire education, um, which happens in schools as well, um, so that you know you can have people who are specialist experts in it, sort of being able to advise you on your property and all those sorts of things. So those are very practical, immediate type things. And then, of course, we need to look at things like you know, like climate change, like um, energy use and so on. Uh, you know, with our experience, we're 28 years of independent power. Um, it works brilliantly for us um, as an individual. My husband's very good at a lot of different things. So he set up the system. It works perfectly. But, you know, our consumption of electricity is only one kilowatt per hour per day, which is compared like to 25 to 30 kilowatt per day for for mostly average thing and and the fat power has never failed us but i think it's really important to remember whilst we're it's fantastic that there's been a lot more um renewable energy generation we need to really think about the storage and delivery because it needs to work on a big scale and i think that's where the government really needs to put in a lot of serious thought and a lot of serious money and because at the moment there's a lot of work being done but none of it is kind of None of it appears to me to be kind of, you know, centralised in a sense that, you know, there needs to be a huge amount of thought and money and so put in towards the storage and delivery. And we could be on the forefront. We could be on the forefront. Australians could be on the forefront. We're, we're inventive people. We're, we're people who can do, you know, we, we actually think about things in a lateral way. And I think that's what I'd love to see happening on a macro scale. You're listening to Catastrophic, a dual podcast and political protest project. Catastrophic tells the tales of the Australian bushfires and calls for all partisan political action around climate change. Each episode of Catastrophic features an Australian talking about their experience of living through the bushfire crisis, what their fears are now and for the future, and what they would like to see done about it on a government level. But it doesn't end when the episode of Catastrophic goes out. Politicians aren't paying attention to things like this. They're not listening to our stories. They are too easy to avoid and deny, or so it seems. So, we at Listen Up Podcasting are taking every story we gather, every episode we release of the Catastrophic Podcast, and we are putting them together into one big audio file and sending it to all the politicians every single week. 
the LNP, the ALP, the Greens, One Nation and the Independents, both state and federal. We will also be alerting the media organisations every single time a file goes out. That way, the police can't pretend these stories don't matter and that these demands for change don't exist. So what are the demands? What are we demanding on the catastrophic podcast from the government? Pretty simple, really. It's the same thing people have been protesting about and calling for over the past few years. One, no new coal, oil and gas projects, including the Adani mine and the Wallara 2 coal project. Two, 100% renewable energy generation and exports by 2030. Three, fund a just transition and job creation for all fossil fuel workers and communities. Four, hand over land conservation management to First Nations Australians. Five, start preserving our water and treating it as a precious resource, not a sellable commodity. We all know that this Christmas, Australia lost over 10 million hectares of its country and well over a billion animals have died as a direct result. Parts of our country have been in drought for coming on to 10 years now and the Great Barrier Reef will not survive the warming of the waters. This is what climate change looks like. There's no denying it anymore. Denial is now a choice, not an option. This has all been predicted by scientists for more than 30 years and we are now facing the consequences that they predicted and they are scary. Scary enough for people to finally scream, stamp and protest in the streets for change around climate change. Catastrophic is just one of those protests. Let's see if our politicians are listening. Let's see if they care about any of your stories. Thank you for listening to and participating in the Catastrophic Podcast Project. If you or anyone you know has a story they would like to share from or about the Aussie bushfires, please instant message us via the Catastrophic Podcast Facebook page or email us at info at listenuppodcasting.com.au and we will get in touch with you and record your story. It may not be straight away. We are fielding a lot of stories at the moment, but every single one is important and we will get to all of them. In the meantime, our bushfire season hasn't ended yet. So my big message to you is please be safe, look after each other, care for this planet and do not stop fighting for action around climate change. This podcast was produced and edited by Kel Butler from Listen Up Podcasting. Podcasts for a positive world. Always one, always will be. The Climactic Collective. Collective.